0: So what's the deal with President Trump these days? He's making deals with Democrats. He said he was going to build a wall, and now he's pushing the Dreamer Act. And Hillary Clinton is doing a book tour when he said he was going to lock her up. So is he giving it to the people he, who got him in office? Is he betraying them? What's up with that? We'll take a look at that. There's also an amazing new movement among millennials, and not just millennials. It may change the way you think about the culture entirely, and we'll, we'll talk about all that. Plus... mailbag so we'll solve all your problems. But first, the federal government under the leadership of Donald Trump has so far been doing a terrific job handling the natural disasters that have struck the South. Here's a brief montage of newscasters praising the president for his excellent leadership. Okay, that was a little more brief than I was expecting, but there's more good news. The economy is starting to really boom with the stock market skyrocketing, employment and income on the rise, poverty levels finally falling. So here's a montage of commentators discussing how the White House is making America great again. (laughs) Ha. Well, they say in journalism that good news is no news, so maybe the press just wants to focus on where things have gone wrong. So, for instance, now that it's become pretty clear President Trump had absolutely nothing to do with the Russians, who had absolutely no effect on the outcome of the election, journalists are engaged in a period of deep soul-searching trying to figure out how they could have wasted so much of America's time over a story that really wasn't very important at all. Here's a sample of some of the press's self-criticism. All right, I'm joking. The American mainstream media is still the same corrupt, biased, hate filled, corrupt, leftist, dishonest, corrupt, immoral, corrupt, biased, corrupt organ of misinformation it's been for the last 20 years or so. According to our good friends at the Media Research Center, the network's evening news spent the summer trashing the president with coverage that was 91% negative. This is a grand total of 3% worse than the 89% negative coverage the networks were giving Trump before the summer. Network executives are launching a full investigation into what took them so long to squeeze out that extra 3% of hate and vitriol. Journalists justify their negative, bias, leftist. Corrupt, dishonest, hate-filled, corrupt, biased coverage by pointing out the ways in which President Trump deserves their attacks. As Hillary Clinton spokesman and ABC Newsman George Stephanopoulos says, quote, Trump has done some truly terrible things, like winning the election when we wanted him to lose and being a Republican when we're all Democrats. Also, he doesn't panic and knuckle under when we call him racist, which makes him an absolutely horrible person, unquote. CNN's Jim Acosta added, quote, look at me. I'm Jim Acosta. I can stand on my head and shout ignorant non sequiturs at the same time. Look at me. I'm Jim Acosta. Look at me. Under the relentless media attacks, President Trump's approval ratings have now risen to around 45%, whereas the media's approval rating has now sunk from shut up, you snake-hearted dirtbags, to kiss my butt, you lying pieces of garbage. The president looks forward to pushing his negative coverage up to 100% to serve his goal of achieving re-election by winning every single state in the country. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. Hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo, birds are winging, also singing, hunky dunky ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a zing it's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want, want to sing, Oh, hooray, hooray. Oh, yeah. oh. All right, it's mailbag day, yeah. which means, you know, look at your life. It's not going to be that way. When this show is over, your life will have changed, possibly for the better. We'll answer questions. We'll answer. We, we can take questions live, too, can we? Yeah. <laughs> Just, sorry, these sorry. are the hard <laughs> questions, Austin. Come on, snap, snap it up. Uh, yeah, we can take questions live, too, but we already have some really interesting questions. We'll talk about those. You know, we're doing a new thing called The Conversation. This is the start of a new series. We're going to start it. Tuesday, next Tuesday, with Ben. Uh, it's kind of like a fireside chat where he will take your questions. It's at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Uh, Pacific. You can see it on the website or on Facebook. Anybody can listen. Anybody can tune in. But if you want to actually ask questions, you got to be a subscriber. It costs lousy ten bucks a month. I mean, what were you doing with that ten bucks anyway? And if you subscribe for a year at a hundred bucks. All through Hillary Clinton's book tour, you can have the leftist tears tumbler. You know, we actually got a copy now. We have a copy. We're not we're not this away, but we, we had a copy of Hillary Clinton's book. What happened? And it occurs to me that it actually gives the ending away. It says what happened, Hillary Rodham Clinton. So you get the answer. You don't even have to buy the book. It's right there on the uh, on the cover. All right. So I woke up this morning and my wife said to me, are you ever going to do one of those stamps.com ads again? And I said, yeah, absolutely. We love stamps.com. And she said, well, you might want to just change it up a little bit. Instead of saying you don't have to uh, go to the post office and wait online, you might say that uh, you, you're not going to send me to go to the post office. <laughs> wait online. So I don't. I don't know what's up with that. I I don't know what she's complaining about. But it, it is true. You know, it is it, uh, utterly ridiculous in this day and age that you have to stop what you're doing at the speed you can do things at now. Drive to the post office, hope they're open, stand online, waiting around, and then get your services, get back in your car, get back. You don't have to do any of that with stamps.com because it brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. You buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer, which, by the way, is kind of cool. Uh, Stamps.com makes it easy. They'll send you a digital scale so you can automatically calculate the exact postage, and it will even help you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. So, if you don't want my wife to get sent (laughs) to the post office all the time and have to wait online, you can enjoy Stamps.com Surface with a special offer that includes a four week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long term commitments. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Claven. What's standing online? <laughs> That's KLAVAN. Any question you ask me, I'm going to spell Claven K L A V A N stamps.com enter K L A V A N stamps.com. I will never have to send my wife to the post office again. All right. So let's take a look at this. You know, it really is it really is interesting. President Trump's ratings are actually going up. And I, I predict they're going to continue to go up unless there's some terrible, terrible disaster. Politico has a big article out now that every the, Democrat, the Democrats have thrown everything at this guy, everything. I mean, Russia, every, his base sticks with him. And once he starts to do well, and c- certainly once the economy takes off, you know, people who weren't with him before will also be with him. And so everything they've done, it just hasn't worked. So last night, President Trump had a dinner with uh, 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 three Democrats and I think four Republican senators to talk about his pushing his tax reform deal. He knows he's going to need some Democrats on there. If they're not if Mitch McConnell's not going to get rid of this ridiculous filibuster rule, he knows he's going to need maybe 60 votes. Maybe they can do it through reconciliation and get it through. That's that's also possible. But this comes on the heels of his making this deal with, as we now call him, Chuck and Nancy. (laughs) Suddenly, suddenly from crying Chuck and crazy Nancy Pelosi, they're Chuck and Nancy, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. He made this deal to uh, extend the debt ceiling only three months when the uh, Republicans, and certainly the conservatives, were touting their 18-month plan. They wanted to keep it going. Now, Mitch McConnell, by the way, I just should add this in there, that Mitch McConnell says that it's not really three months. It'll be spring before they have to deal with the debt ceiling because they're allowed to move money around all these kind of complex Senate rules. But also, Donald Trump is is now pushing passage of the DREAM Act. I mean, this Bush couldn't do it. Obama couldn't do it. He's not only saying once passage of the Dream Act, he's tweeting to Dreamers, don't worry, even though we've rescinded the uh, executive order against Dreamers, we're not going to throw you out of the country and we're not going to take any action while Congress is dealing with this. So we're not going to, you know, we're not going to come after you. So, I mean, this comes after, let's face it, this is, remember, we remember all those meetings, those rallies that he held where they were screaming, you know, uh, build the wall, build the wall, still happening when he does rallies, not just in the campaign. They're still shouting, build the wall. And Trump is saying that they're not going to attach any DACA les- legislation, any DREAM Act legislation, doesn't have to be attack- attached to wall l- funding. So he's basically giving that game away too. So the, qu- the question is, is he st- – it's two questions. Is he stabbing his supporters in the back, and do we care? I mean, those are the two questions, because we – I, I should say, I'm a conservative. I'm not a Trumpster. Trump, listen, Trump is a far, far, far better deal than Hillary Clinton ever would have been. And anybody who says, oh, you know, like, well, if we had had Hillary Clinton and we had a Republican Congress, look, the Republican Congress has never done anything to help anybody. Well, they held up Obama, but still he did all those. He had got all those judge appointments, all those uh, regulations that he put in there. And now Trump is really putting some really good judges, not just in the Supreme Court, but right down the line. These are things that can never be taken back, you know, and I mean, uh, regulations can be rolled back, but they almost never are. And they are under the Trump administration. So he's doing a lot of good things from a conservative point of view. Here is The Guardian, right? This is this left-wing British publication, and they're selling this this narrative. The mainstream establishment Republican leadership made a cynical calculation to tolerate Donald Trump's dangerous faults, believing they could use him to rubber stamp their long-sought conservative legislative agenda. Now, every word in that sentence is untrue. That just doesn't actually, does not describe what happened. They made a bargain with a con man, and now he has betrayed them. His deal last week with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi on debt limits and disaster spending is a huge political betrayal, but make no mistake, for Trump, it's good politics. Americans are fed up with gridlock and dysfunction in the Washington, D.C. swamp, and they blame Republicans as much as Democrats. Furthermore, the legislation which might pass by making deals with Democrats polls well across the political spectrum. Okay, so let's, let's start with the whole immigration thing. Because from my perspective, immigration was never the big problem people thought it was. What, was. what was the problem was the lawlessness. It's a problem to have your government say we're not going to enforce the law because we're not. I mean, that is an arrogant, tyrannical government. They should have to f- pass laws, not through executive orders get them through Congress, and then they should have to enforce them. And every time Obama said, I'm not going to enforce the Defense of Marriage Act, I thought like, well, what's the difference then between him and a king? I mean, we elect these guys, they make legislation. We may not like the legislation, so we have to change it. But how if, if the president just says, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to use prosecutorial uh, you know, judgment and we're not going to uh, prosecute those laws, then the laws don't exist. So he's just swiping the laws away, just like a king. And I think that that is the thing that really bothered me about immigration. It wasn't rapist and murderer Mexicans coming in. I mean, we've handled plenty of immigration before, but you've got to do it legally. You've got to have a border. You've got to check people through. You've got to take the people you want and tell the people who you don't want that they can't come in. So let's take a look at this, um, at this dinner that went on last night. Three of the three Democrats who were there all come from states that Trump won big. Right. And they're all kind of conservative. So you have uh, Heidi Heitkamp uh, and you have Joe Donnelly from Indiana. And Joe Manchin is the big one from West Virginia. And Manchin has been he's been a kind of moderate guy. You know, he supports gun rights. He's been against abortion. Uh, you know, he, he's done a lot of things to work across the aisle. So he came out after the meeting, after this dinner, and he said, you know, there was a bipartisan feeling there. there's cut number two.
1: It was a very in-depth conversation started out with infrastructure, Joe talked a lot about infrastructure. Gary went into detail and present, you know, basically back and forth of what we could do, the exciting things that can happen, how we can work together, public private, but also public private means not just turning things over to the private sector and THEN they're going to own it and run it. But basically building it quicker and faster, getting through the minutiae of all the uh, you know, the uh, time constraints of eight to 10 years to build something when we should be able to do it and permit it in two years. So we got into that, and then we got right into the depth of, uh, of tax reform. And the president was adamant from the get-go, this is not a tax cut for the rich. And I repeat that, this will not be a tax cut for me or any rich people. That kind of started off the conversation. It went pretty good from there.
0: So he comes out of there happy. These are three guys who have not joined the rest of the Democrats in the resistance. So they they did vote, for instance, for Gorsuch uh, for the Supreme Court, to approve Gorsuch for the Supreme Court. And, you know, the thing about infrastructure is there's going to be an infrastructure bill. Democrats love this, but Democrats want it to be all government spending. So they control it. They control hiring. Gives us tremendous power over who gets hired, who gets uh, contracts. Gives them tremendous power to take graft, which Democrats love. And, you know, what Trump is hoping to do is kind of work out some sort of private public thing, which would be a little bit more conservative. It would be a moderate uh, program. And of course, the tax thing, you know, they've got to cut corporate taxes. They have not cut. You know, let's let's hear a little bit more about Manchin on this. He talks about uh, this at uh, number three, cut number three, what they're talking about for tax reform.
1: Tax reform or tax cuts, whatever you want to do, has to be done to where it stimulates the economy, grows the economy on a global basis. It's competitive. You know, we didn't create the market, global market, but we've got to compete in it. Uh, Next of all, we can't continue to add to $20 trillion. So you have to be very sensitive. No more debt. You can't add on debt. We've got to see a pathway forward to start bringing this debt down and get ourselves fiscally responsible. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's what that conversation was last night. And what I heard willing to uh, you know really willing to explore all avenues of this understanding that democrats responsible moderate some of us conservative democrats who are looking for fiscal responsibility you know i've always said this i'm fiscally responsible and socially compassionate
0: so so here's an example where Trump is actually not betraying his base at all. The base knew he was going to do this. This is what he talked about. Some of us conservatives may be a little nervous about all the infrastructure spending. We may be nervous that he's going to lose those corporate tax cuts those are the big ones. It really is not the middle class tax cuts. It's the corporate tax cuts. And the reason for that is money gets taxed when it moves. Money gets taxed when you spend something, when I spend something, when the employer gives it to you, when money is in motion, it gets taxed. So you can cut corporate taxes, expand business, expand employment expand uh, production and all these things and actually when you cut the rate you actually make more money because the money gets ta- is moving a lot faster hey i have to pause there for just a moment and talk about the fact that i just look fabulous and i know i know this is it's distracting you know so i want to get to it i know you're sitting here saying, well taxes are interesting but why do you do? Well, you look so good and the reason is beach body on demand which is an online fitness streaming service that gives you unlimited access to a wide variety of highly effective world class workouts Personalized to meet your needs, plus, it's got extensive nutritional content, all proven to help people achieve their health and fitness goals with step-by-step program guides, workout calendars, comprehensive nutrition plans, an innovative portion control focused cooking show, and the motivation and support of a growing community. Beachbody On Demand is the total package. And you can take it on your phone You can get it anywhere. When you travel, you don't have to stop your workouts and you, you know, you can target it if you want, just want to lose weight to go to a special event, to go to your reunion. So they don't say like, look at that guy. He really (laughs) fell apart. Didn't he? It's got really familiar brands. P, what do they call it? It's called P.O., I think. Pio, uh, twenty-one day fix, P ninety X, which I've done. Insanity, which I've done. And just incredibly, incredibly tough. stuff. Over six hundred uh, different vi- work. Over six hundred different workouts and over a hundred recipe videos. It will keep you in shape and help you meet your goals. It's a brand new service, but it already has over a million members. And you can claim a free trial membership. You can, if you just text Andrew, on your cell phone to 303030, you get full access to this entire platform for free. So try it out. It really is nice if you have a goal, if you're trying to get in shape for something, or if you just want to live a better, healthier life, or if you want to look as incredibly good as I do. These are the kinds of things that you can do beach body on demand. All right. So go, I, I just have to stop about the mansion thing, because this is really funny. He's on... What was he on? I guess I think it was CBS. Yeah, CBS, because it was Charlie Rose. And he and Manchin comes in. He's been at dinner with the president in this bipartisan dinner. So it's news. It's real story. They start to run out of time. Here is the question they ask Manchin. This is the question they have got to know about this dinner. Cut number four.
2: Senator, and before looking... you go, we got to go. But before you go, yeah. what was the menu? Chicken, beef, fish? What was
1: it? It was a me- it, was, it was a medallion. It was a beef medallion, and it was well it was did, well done. Did you well have,
2: pre- Senator? I hate to pry. Oh, I really do. I hate to pry. But yeah. did you have one scoop or two scoops of ice cream?
1: No, no. We had. Let me tell you, the ice cream was so perfectly prepared. <laughs> yeah. The ice cream came beside the dessert, Gail, and yes. it looked like an egg. And I said, I wonder why I'm getting an egg with my dessert. And I cut into it, and it was a it was a beautifully sculptured ice cream. Okay, Senator, I but hope- the president the president said to love desserts. Did, you, did he eat no. more desserts than you? No, he did
0: not. He, no, he did not. <laughs> it's unbelievable. They hate this guy so much. No matter what happens in this country, if he blows North Korea off the face of the earth, no matter what he does, if the economy comes roaring back, they hate him. Personally, and it's not working. It is not keeping his. It's it's not keeping his poll numbers down. Trump has really done everything that has kept his poll numbers down has been generated by Trump himself with kooky tweets and not getting the thing, and by the Congress not getting uh, giving him the deals he wants. But but look, this thing with the immigration thing, it doesn't bother me that much. He is enforcing immigration. Illegal immigration is way down. I don't think a wall is going to make any difference. But when a guy gets up at every rally and says we're going to build a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it. He ought to build a wall, and the people who hold him who supported him ought to hold him responsible for that. But do I care? No. As a conservative, I just want the rule of law enforced that is happening. The ICE agents are allowed to work again. The ICE agents love Trump because he set them free to do their jobs. So so the answer to the two questions, yeah, I think so far he has not done what he told his supporters he's going to do. Do I care? No. And one of the funny things about me, of course, is because I was not a big Trump believer. I always knew he was not going to do a lot of things. He said, I mean, here he is. Let's go back and just remember, remember all those chants of lock him up just like a month ago, weeks ago, he was held a rally and they were shouting, lock Hillary Clinton up, lock Hillary Clinton up. Well, now Hillary Clinton is roaming around free. She's going out there, you know, selling her book. And let's just go back for a minute to uh, one of the debates where Trump said he was going to have a special prosecutor appointed to investigate the fact that she destroyed emails that were under subpoena. For you to say that there was nothing wrong with you deleting 39,000 emails, again, you should be ashamed of yourself. What you did, and this is after getting a subpoena, from the United States Congress, we have to move if on. Secretary did Clinton, that. you Wait can respond, What's and we second? got to we
3: move on. We want to give the audience the so, sector, a chance be put here. in
0: jail, let alone after getting a subpoena from the United States Secretary Congress. Secretary Clinton, you can respond. So recently, Jeff Sessions said he's not going to prosecute Lois Lerner, who was head of the, I, who was right in the thick of that IRS scandal, where the IRS was targeting and probably is still targeting conservative groups and not giving them breaks so that they could use, uh, you know, uh, tax breaks to. Uh, Spread their ideas during the election year. It was very effective. It really kind of undermined the Tea Party as they were gaining steam. And Obama was good at that. Obama was a master politician. He was a Chicago Paul. He knew how to break the backs of his enemies. He really did. And he knew how to, he knew, you know, one of the things that Obama knew is he knew how it it can be important not to pass a law to lose at passing a law, but to win on making it look like the other side was to blame. And the other side is, looks mean like he did with the Dream Act. Um, So anyway, now, Jeff Sessions says he's not going to prosecute Lois Lerner. And and that's a tough one. I mean, I look, I, I like Jeff Sessions. I suspect if he can't prosecute her, it's because he just can't get the case he wants together and he doesn't want to spend public money uh, chasing her around if he's not going to catch her. But it it really is interesting. Plus, they're making charges. You know, you saw Steve Bannon the other day said that firing James Comey was one of the biggest political mistakes ever. So they asked uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders about this at the press conference. And she says, yeah, this guy has really broken the law. You know, Comey has broken the law. So she's asking, answering the questions, was it mis- a mistake to fire him? This is cut six.
2: The president uh, is proud of the decision that he made. The president was 100% right in firing James Comey. Uh, He knew at the time that it could be bad for him politically, but he also knew and felt he had an obligation to do what was right and do what was right for the American people and certainly the men and women at the FBI. Uh, I think there's no secret um, Comey, by his own self-admission, leaked privileged government information weeks before President Trump fired him, Comey testified that an FBI agent engaged in the same practice, they'd face serious repercussions. I think he set his own stage for himself on that front. His actions were improper and likely could have been illegal. Comey leaked memos to the New York Times, your own outlet. He politicized an investigation by signaling he would exonerate Hillary Clinton before he ever interviewed her or other key witnesses. Uh, He's very happy with the decision he made, and I think he's been fully vindicated uh, by a lot of those new things and knowing that it was the right one.
0: So then the next question a reporter asks her or a couple of questions over is, are you going to put him away if he broke the law? And she says that is not the president's job. It's not the president's job to appoint a special counsel. It's not the president's job to decide whether to indict and whether to prosecute. So now that he's dealing with the reality of it, you know, it's it's a lot different. It's a lot different uh, to ask Jeff Sessions to go after Hillary Clinton, to ask him to go after James Comey. It, You know, all those chants of lock him up, lock him up. And it, it's entirely possible. And this is something because conservatives are not, conservatives are not only laughing at his supporters, they're laughing at conservatives who said, well, you know, we'll see what we can get out of this guy. But, but really that's silly because it's very possible that his supporters understood that he was carrying them along on emotion, but they hoped he would still, they still hoped he would do a better job than anybody else who was going to go on there and be more responsible to them. And I think on that score, He is even though he hasn't fulfilled his promises. It's a really weird situation because Trump is a very emotional figure and people are attached to him emotionally. And those of us who care about policy are kind of confused. Well, he said he would do this, but he's not doing that. But I don't think that's what people are following him for. I think they're following him for an attitude. And I think he's fulfilled, delivered that attitude in spades. You know, I have to have my picture taken a lot. And this for somebody like me, look, I'm a writer. I've been a writer all my life. I became a writer because I like to hide in a room by myself. Thinking thoughts and writing them down. So it it has always been a shock to me to find myself out and people asking to take pictures with me. And for a long time, I would not smile. You can go back and look at pictures. I wouldn't smile because my teeth were dark. You know? And I had no idea what it was. Finally asked someone, asked the lady who cleans my teeth, how can I keep them clean? She says, get an electric toothbrush. So I got this electric toothbrush. I had three guys carry it inside because they're so big. Okay. But now there is Quip, which is an electric toothbrush that is just beautifully designed. It's thin, it's small, it works on batteries. Instead of having to be plugged in, you can take it with you wherever you go. It's as if like Steve Jobs had to, uh, had designed this electric toothbrush. You can get it. Uh, it's it's inexpensive. You can get it and also get a three-month plan where they replace the head, the, blah. just a minute here. See, now I, I have good teeth, but I can't talk, where they will replace the brush heads, which is very important. Two, Quip is backed by leading dentists. It was named as one of Time Magazine's Best Inventions of 2016. They won a 2016 GQ Grooming Award and made it onto Oprah's 2017 New Year's List. Quip starts at just $25, which is a really good price, and it really does make a difference when you use an electric toothbrush. Right now, go to getquip.com. Getquip.com slash Clavin to get. (laughs) Yes, yes. Gabby, I'm glad you asked me that question. Uh, It's K L A V A N, getquip.com. And you slash Claven and you will get your first refill pack free with a Quip Electric Toothbrush. Your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash clavin. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash clavin you know we're going to have the mailbag coming up in just a minute but we got to say goodbye to facebook and youtube if you want to listen to the rest of the show you can come to the dailywire.com if you want to just watch the whole show and be part of the mailbag have your questions about anything you want answered you got to subscribe it's a lousy 10 bucks a month for 100 bucks you get a year subscription and you can drink hillary's tears in this beautiful uh, tumblr leftist tears tumblr come on over So just to finish off this thought, Trump is, in some sense, not delivering the things that he told his supporters he would deliver. But we don't necessarily have to care because it doesn't mean he's he's doing a bad job. And it doesn't mean that it certainly doesn't mean that we conservatives are getting a worse deal than we would have get gotten if the only other choice on the ballot had been elected. I think we're getting a much better deal than we would have gotten. There are going to be things up ahead so far because I don't care that much about immigration except as a point of law. So far, he hasn't done anything that has made my teeth grind together, but he will. He's going to do some left-wing stuff that's gonna drive me crazy and maybe you crazy too. So we'll watch for that. But so far, all he's doing is getting the the gears of government moving again after eight years of an uncompromising ideologue in Obama who really did jam things up. So if he starts to get a little bipartisan support, that wouldn't be entirely a bad thing. The mailbag. All yeah! right. <laughs> I love her. I, I miss her. I miss her. <laughs> um, all right. From Isaac, Supreme Overlord Claven, a Wise One, bringer of truth and destroyer of darkness. Thank you for just reading my business card. I appreciate that. Yeah, I am uh, studying abroad in Germany this year and will be traveling around Europe as well. I was wondering what were your favorite places to see and visit in Europe? Well, I lived in Europe for seven years and traveled all over. I think my favorite... My favorite city in Europe is still London. It's not, you know, it's not what it was, London. It is so, so super crowded that it is kind of hard to enjoy unless you can get it on off-season, off-hours. But it's still a beautiful, beautiful city, one of the great walking cities. I love to walk, and it's one of the great cities. The other city I... I just love Rome. If you haven't seen Rome, you have to go because Rome, one of the things about Europe that is really interesting is the history is so present that you can feel it coming up through your feet. And I found living in Europe, this sounds weird, but I found that living in Europe, I worried less about the fact that people die because you felt like you were part of this gigantic thing that had been going on and on and would continue without you and was there before you. And it was a very relaxing feeling. It's the opposite living here in Los Angeles, where there's no history whatsoever, Rome. I just loved I uh, because of the layers of history. You not only have ancient Rome, you also have the Christian era, you have the medieval era, you have everything, and all of it has left its traces in the city. And so it's just all there. And of course, that the wonderful, wonderful renaissance art that is everywhere throughout the city. Um, where else? I, I love Edinburgh. Edinburgh is a much underrated city. Um, all our friends at the Daily Wire are taking a trip to Edinburgh. And I told them it was one of my favorite cities in town. I loved uh, traveling in Switzerland. Switzerland is the only landscape I have ever seen that can match the American landscape. If you've never, I've traveled a, ro- a lot around America. I've been in every state except North Dakota. I think I've been in every single state, and it's a beautiful country, America. But the Alps in Switzerland, there's nothing like them. When you see the Alps, you can't. It's like seeing a movie star. You know how when you see like a really big movie star, you go like, "Wow, that's so." It's he looks so real. You know, that's what the Alps look like. The Alps just completely blow you away, and you can hike some of the most beautiful hikes uh, ever. All right, from Steve, dear sir, who has so many titles of brilliance that I'll forget one when properly addressing you, and I wouldn't want to disrespect you in that manner, so I hope you're all right with me calling you Sir Claven. Actually, it's Lord Clavin. Uh, Throughout the summer, I have been struggling with lust. Whenever I see attractive women, I tend to think lustful thoughts and have had lustful dreams in my sleep. What are some ways to help refocus how I view my fellow female peers as children children? of God. Well, that you know, that's really interesting because I always try to answer the question that I'm asked, not the question that I think is coming or the question that the listeners want to hear. I always try to answer the question asked. ask. And so what he's saying is, what are some ways to help refocus how I view my fellow female peers as children of God, which is a really good question because women don't understand this. Women do not know what it is to be, especially a young man. Obviously, you cool off a little bit as you go on. But, it, but when you're a young man, women do not understand the force of the desire that men live with, the desire, not just for to have sex with women, but the desire to have sex with various women. So that being married itself can be a, a real trial. On there are certain days when you just think, wow, ah, I got to, you know, I have to have variety. I have to, have, this is built into the system. It is, it is put there by God. It is what we are, how we are made, you know, so it's not something that you're going to be fighting against. Now people always quote uh, Jesus when he said, you know, You've heard it said that thou shalt not commit adultery, but even if you have lust in your heart, that is adultery. But I don't think Jesus is saying, therefore, you're a bad guy. What he's saying, therefore, you are in a state of sin. You, this is not what man was made to be be originally, but it is what we are now. So the question is not how can you get rid of your lust? You can't. I mean, that is the way men feel. And it is it's really difficult, especially, like I said, when you're young, it is really difficult dealing with women. My father gave me, he never, he did not give me a lot of good advice, but this is a great piece of advice he gave me. I'm going to translate it out of, um, uh, out of obscenity because it was obscene when he gave it to me. But basically when I was a young man and I, uh, became, I grew up during the sixties and things got very sexual, very fast for me. And he gave me the piece of advice. He said, just remember that every one of those beautiful bo- women's bodies has a human being inside it. <laughs> okay, that's not quite how he put it, but <laughs> let's just say that that was the idea. And that is something that I always have tried to remember, that the person you're talking to is not just a form and a shape that excites you, is actually a person with an entire universe inside herself that is, uh, that is there. And, that's, and that is, look, you're not your body. You are a person. You are a full, complete person. Your body is one component of that. Your body is doing what your body is supposed to do. Your body is supposed to desire and reproduce and have sex and, and and begin a new generation. That is one of the things your body is made to do. But you are not your body. And in dealing with human beings, you can lust after them all you want. But just remember that there's a human being inside that shape that you lust for and, and treat her that way. Treat her that way. You know, it, it'll it'll actually improve your life in general. Um, I hope that I hope that's helpful. There's nothing I can say to you that'll make the lust go away. You know, it, like I said, it cools over time, but it never goes away. Well, maybe it, I shouldn't say that. Maybe it does eventually, but it, it takes its time. It takes its time leaving. Um, from Daniel, would you recommend a couple getting a prenuptial agreement before marriage? In my view, getting one seems to convey an underlying lack of trust. But then again, there are so many marriages ending in divorce. Uh, You know, for the the very reason you say, I would not recommend a a prenuptial agreement unless unless there is a fantastic disparity of wealth, in which case, for instance, in California, I think the law is, I'm talking off the top of my head, but I think the law is that basically the minute you get married, your property is common property. So if you are some movie star and you marry a waitress, you know, it really isn't fair that you might – that marriage might fall apart within a year and she might take half your goods. It really isn't fair. And the same thing it works the other way if the woman is the one with all the money. If there's not that big disparity, I really believe that a married couples should – join their fortunes together completely. I do not believe in separate bank accounts. I don't believe in separate vacations. I don't believe in keep a a woman keeping her maiden name. I believe that when you get married, you become one flesh and that should be reflected in everything you do. So basically I would just say, you know, I mean, you you know, your bank account is your bank account and your property is your property. And I think California is basically right about this. Divorce is a genuine problem, but you shouldn't go into a marriage expecting divorce. You should go into a marriage expecting that to be the rest of your life. So I don't really recommend prenuptial agreements before marriage, unless, as I say, there's some explicit reason, there's some real reason why a divorce would render the outcome so unfair, so unfair that you need some protection. Otherwise, most people tend to get married when they they don't have all that much. And I think that, you know, you should just get married and join your fortunes together. Um, from Sakari, uh, dear overseer of the universe, Clavin, that is my part, my, that's my moonlighting job. Uh, were you a virgin before you got married? I am worried that since I am not a virgin, it may be harmful to my future marriage. If she is still a virgin, is that true? Um, uh, you know I was not like I said I grew up in the 60s things really got nuts uh, you know one year when I was say 12 or 13 I would have thought of course you're a virgin when you get married and then the culture just shifted it was like a an absolute uh, earthquake and everything was different and little kids and I that's essentially what I was we're having sex we were having sex and you know that was the the way of life it um, it's I, I wouldn't recommend it, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it, uh, but but on the other hand, I also would not trade it. I wouldn't trade the relationships I had. Uh, most of my relationships with women have been incredibly friendly and loving and kind. Uh, there have been a few bad ones in there, but, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't trade those relationships for anything. No, it doesn't have to be harmful to your wife if she's a virgin. And if she doesn't get obsessed with uh, your thinking about, you know, you're having other people in your past, she has to not get obsessed. You have to keep your mouth shut. It's not something she needs to hear about. If the women contact you from the, your past, and that has happened to me, you should very quickly put the kibosh on that. As we used to say, you should very quickly shut it down. Your your first Uh, loyalty. Your first interest should be in giving your wife a peaceful, happy, trusting life. You shouldn't be emailing old flames. You shouldn't be texting people that she doesn't know about. You shouldn't be carrying on relationships online that could be construed as sexual in any way. You be faithful. You be uh, loving. You be affectionate. And your past is your past. You can't change the past, so it doesn't matter, right? But it's not necessarily hurtful. Also, of course, before you get married, get a blood test. Make sure you're not passing anything on besides uh, your genes. Um, All right. Uh, Last one, I guess we got to wind up. Uh, Greetings, all powerful ruler of the multiverse. Uh, Have you or anyone you know personally ever had a near death experience? If so, has it strengthened said person's faith and or given them a more easygoing outlook on life? I find myself thinking more about mortality. And while I'm a Catholic, I still find myself being fearful of what's after this life. Thanks for reading, Dave. I do know uh, a woman who had a near-death experience. It was a literal near—I mean, she died, uh, and she had a. She was a young woman, um, and she had a. I think a heart attack, and she died. And I saw her not long after at a party, and she, in fact, saw her. She lifted out of her body and was aware of what the doctors were doing and she could see everything from a a different uh, point of view. And then she was brought back into her body. And the funny thing about her is she was uh, kind of a communist, uh, kind of a materialist leftist. She had no beliefs. And she still didn't have any belief after it was over. So I said, "Well, what what do you think?" And she said, "Well, I you know I, I, I don't know. You know. I thought like really you're vouchsafed a vision of the afterlife, and it didn't change your opinion. I, who knows? Maybe since then it was pretty soon after she had it that it. Uh, but I do I, look. There's so many reports of them. I do believe in them. I do think they're true. I the only um, mystical experience I ever had. It is in my book, The Great Good Thing, in my memoir about my conversion. Um, when my daughter was born, I was actually swept. I had an out of body experience. I was actually swept out of my body. It was completely real. It wasn't an illusion. Uh, I was totally aware. I, I actually experienced the flow of my love for my wife, which is intense and ongoing, uh, bleeding into my love for this new child. And then I started to lose myself in what I saw with my own eyes. And by the way, I was not a believer at the time in anything. I saw with my own eyes was a sea of love. I actually saw I was being swept away in a sea of love and I got scared and I pulled back into my body because I was afraid I was going to be swept away. I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't done that. So, uh, you know, I I do believe in these things. I've seen them for myself. There was no way for me to explain it. I'm a very down to earth person. I don't go around having mystical experiences. I do believe in after uh, death experiences. And if that gives you any faith, great. Otherwise, I would say go for the faith because look, if if there's nothing, if there's nothing, you're not going to know about it anyway. So you don't have, there's nothing to worry about. All right. It's time for tickety boo news. So this is a, a kind of a different way of looking at the news a different way of looking at the world around us because I think you know there's just so much it's not that I'm looking for good news it's that I'm looking to for reality I'm looking for the constant flow of Attacks and bad news and anger and rage to just part and let's see what's really going on. And I think sometimes it, for conservatives, it, it, is, it just seems like the culture is against us. It is against us. The, the Democrats, the left, runs Hollywood, it runs the academies. You know, they, they're doing a fundraiser for hurricane relief. And the last time they did this, remember with Katrina, that's where Kanye West got up and said, George W. Bush doesn't like black people and they've given you know. So Stevie Wonder, who a lot of, I, I'm not a big Stevie Wonder fan, but I recognize his talent. He's, he's, he gives this speech, listen to this speech. It's incredible. They just can't stop and they can't hear themselves either because listen to what he says. We've come together today to love on the people that have been devastated by the hurricanes.
3: When love goes into action, it preferences no color of skin, no ethnicity, no religious beliefs, no sexual preferences, and no political persuasions. It just loves. As we should begin to love and value our planet and anyone who believes that there is no such thing as global warming. Must be blind or unintelligent. <laughs>
0: so, so, I mean, I'm not even going to go for the cheap blind joke, but I mean, he goes, there's love. It's for everyone. It's for, it doesn't matter your politics, your sexuality, your race, your color. It's love. It's love. But if you don't believe what I believe, you're an idiot. He you know? like can't even. They're so convinced of what they think. They're so, they're so. It, wrapped up in the bubble of what they believe, that they don't see how they insult people. And what you see, and and especially you see this in the late night night, uh, comedy shows, you see them training up their audience to believe what they believe. And that's what makes us so feel like we have no chance to get these people back. You know, the, the politics is downstream from culture. Listen, here's Jimmy Kimmel. Anybody, any comedian who doesn't look at Hillary Clinton now and come up with material about this, is not doing his job. He's not doing his job. So Jimmy Kimmel is now. This is cut number one. He he does a thing where he has Lucy the Pooh, right? He's Hillary Clinton as Lucy the Pooh. But even as he's making fun of her, he can't make fun of her. It's it's got to all be about. About Trump, And it's got to be about, uh, you know, the fact that she she shouldn't have lost. But listen, he makes one slight joke about her. And listen to the audience react. Listen to this.
3: Once upon a time, not too long ago, November 9th to be precise, Piglet was skipping through the woods when he happened upon his friend, Lucy the Pooh, eating a giant jar of her feelings. <laughs> What's wrong, Lucy? asked the clearly uninformed Piglet. What's wrong? I was supposed to be the first Pooh president. I've been preparing for this since I was a cub. All the polls had me winning. So how did you lose, questioned Piglet. Well, I was better prepared in the debates. I was a foreign policy experience as Secretary of State. And I won the popular vote in a landslide. I'm lost, said Piglet. That sounds great. Yes, but I never hosted a reality show or put my name on vodka or grabbed a heffalump by the woozle. <laughs> or visited Wisconsin, added Piglet. <laughs> Lucy the Pooh let out a big sigh and stared into the distance. Well, at least I'll never have to deal with that loud orange lunatic ever again, muttered Lucy. And suddenly, out of nowhere, Lucy heard a loud roar. <laughs>
0: So then it just becomes Trump bashing as always on every late night comedy monologue ever. But you heard that the one time he mentioned the fact that Hillary lost because she campaigned badly. Oh, the audience, they're being trained. They're like, they're like trained dogs who are being taught. There's only one narrative. This is what it is, you know, and we are going to, and, and you, if you are a good person, you are going to subscribe to that narrative now. Here's the thing. So that's late night TV, that's all the powerhouses, that's all the mainstream media, that's being what's being fed. Wherever you go, you wanna see Stevie Wonder, you gotta to listen to climate change, you wanna watch Jimmy Kimmel, you gotta get, get the guy you voted for, get watch him get slapped around every single night, over and over and over again. They just feel they own this culture. Here is a YouTube star that we've had on a couple times. She's just come out. Her name is Candace Owens with the myth of the coon. She is this absolute, if you can't see it, she's an absolutely beautiful black girl. Uh, This is her response to all of this. I love this. Here's the thing, famous ladies and gents, nobody cares what you think nobody nobody cares
1: what you think we don't care what you think
0: i love this so here's here is elizabeth ames at the fox uh, website the mainstream media failed to see the rise of donald trump in 2016 now it's overlooking another grassroots movement that may soon be of equal significance the growing number of liberals quote taking the red pill. People of all ages and ethnicities are posting YouTube videos describing red pill moments, personal awakenings that have caused them to reject leftist narratives imbibed since childhood from friends, teachers, and the news and entertainment media. And of course you remember the red pill comes from the matrix. Here's the famous scene. You are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born
3: into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. (sighs) Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself.
0: Okay, so if you haven't seen The Matrix, this is going to be a bit of a spoiler, but I'm just assuming everybody knows what it's about. The Matrix is the fact that the entire world they live in is an illusion, and they are being used – human beings are being used as batteries to power its machines, right? They're powering machines, yeah. They, they're being – but to keep them quiet, to keep them in their little cocoons where they're all wired up to these machines to suck out their brain energy – they give them this illusion. That is what the Democrats and the leftists do. They give you the illusion of virtue. They give you illusion that you're living in this world of virtue to get power, to take power from you. And people are finding out, and they call it taking the red pill. So let's just look at a couple of these, just a couple of clips of this YouTube things. It's mostly young people, but it's all kinds of uh, people really just saying they took the, the red pill. Here's the dissent report
4: essentially i took the red pill by a combination of few different things for one i saw really most of my friends on facebook um, and in person but largely on social media moving extremely far to the left uh, toward uh, an authoritarian sort of progressivism they took these these liberal ideas and they turned them into suppression of anything that stood in their way so it it became fairly evident very quickly that these people weren't actually standing up for anything uh, relating to liberty. Really they they were just standing up for for a divisive brand of politics that that would tolerate no dissent whatsoever.
0: Okay. So that was a guy who saw this on Facebook, right? He saw the hatred. And by the way, this has been really intense. I mean, I know a lot of people who are conservatives, but they're quiet conservatives. They're moderate conservatives. They don't go out around talking about it, but suddenly they're looking on Facebook and they're seeing their friends unleashing this vitriol, this hatred. And they're like, wow, if they said that to my face, you know, that would be a terrible, terrible thing. But they're saying it on Facebook, they don't understand that they're talking to human beings. Maybe they don't know about their friends, uh, political persuasion so they're just saying this hateful thing and now these guys are seeing the hate and here is the other one this is a woman named Kristen lauren so that was a guy who saw it on facebook saw it on the news essentially here's a a woman named Kristen lauren talking about her experience that she did something she's not very specific about it she did something that almost destroyed her life because she was following left-wing precepts
4: i've taken the red pill so (laughs) that it's uh Matrix reference, but uh, it also has a lot to do with politics and worldview and after this experience I took the red pill and I can't unsee what I see in the world now. I can't remove my perspective just for comfort anymore. It's like The world is a bad place and our society is so fucked up and it's going to hell and hell and hell faster thanks to so many reasons that that people just are throwing everything away. And I almost threw everything of mine away because I was following my environment. I was following what I thought was right. I was following the advice of people who I thought cared about me. I was following the advice of my society
0: See that, I mean, that I find that very moving because that's the other thing. Conservatives are not trying to hurt anybody. They're trying to help people. You know, when we talk tough and we tell you what reality is, and we tell you, you know, that you're not a girl just because you put on a dress. When we tell you that you're not being compassionate when you give out welfare to people and hook them on these, we're not trying to hurt people. We're trying to help people. And she had that as a personal experience that wasn't on Facebook. She made decisions based on what the society, as she says, was telling her and suddenly realized, Ooh, you know, that was a close call. She said it was like a bullet grazing her, you know, that came that close. Another woman is this Cassie J who was making a documentary, a feminist who was making a documentary about men, the men's rights movement, meaning to attack them and started listening to their arguments and thought, wow, they're right. They're right. You know, and that's, and that was, and she stopped being a feminist and then found that her relationship with her boyfriend, surprise, surprise, really improved. Suddenly her life started to improve as well, you know. The thing about it is, is listen, we we are now the leaders in trolling. I think we have a great, uh, you know, routine. We're very funny. Twitter, we just own Twitter. Conservatives, I'm talking about Twitter. We own Twitter. We own the humor world. These guys with their F Trump every night are not that funny. We really are. The the conservative voice is now the voice of humor. But we also have to deal, we also have to deal in facts. We have to deal in information and we have to deal in uh, compassionate, a compassionate delivery of the truth because people are waiting for this message. They are waiting to hear. They have been cheated out of their birthright. They have been cheated out of their American heritage. They've been cheated out of the truth about the world. And now that bill is coming due and they're taking the red pill. They're getting angry. We could start to win this fight. Uh, We conservatives could start to win this fight. If all, if we just learn how to talk to them and how to welcome them when they come over, it's good news actually. Who's coming on tomorrow? I think it's Kurt Schlichter. Is Kurt Schlichter going to be on? He has just written an article saying that Trump is doing exactly the right thing by dealing with the Democrats. We will talk to him about that. Great guy. Really interesting to talk to. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Claven Show. We'll see you then.